Welcome once again to Searching the Scriptures radio broadcast. I'm Pastor Travis Alltop, and it's a privilege once again to have an open Bible before me and another opportunity to expound a portion of the Word of God. Our prayer and desire is that these lessons would help you to draw closer to the Lord Jesus Christ, that it might give you a better understanding of what the Bible actually says and not merely what it's presumed to teach. And so this week, I'd ask you to turn quickly to Mark chapter 14. We want plenty of time to expound the Word of God today. Mark chapter 14 is where we will take our lesson. And I want to uh, teach this week about a great example of a faithful servant of the Lord, a woman by the name of Mary, the sister of Martha, the famous uh, sister couple there in the New Testament. You read about uh, Mary and Martha uh, in John chapter 11, you read about them in Luke chapter 10, and there were some very instructive things that took place during their lives. They were friends of our Lord Jesus Christ, and here we see Mary uh, bringing a love gift, if you will, to the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this lesson, if I was going to title it, if I was going to tell you a title, is this is How to Make Your Life Matter. Uh, you know, people right now have a lot of slogans talking about who matters, whose lives matter. I'm going to tell you whose life matters. Uh, Jesus Christ, his life mattered, and he died and was buried and rose again because he thinks that all sinners' lives matter. God commended his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the truth of the matter is, your life is an absolute waste. Are you listening? Your life as a Christian will be an absolute waste, a big zero, not a zippo, a waste, if you do not spend your time serving and glorifying the God who gave you life and the God who purchased eternal life on Calvary's cross. If you go through this life living for yourself and your simple lusts and your base human nature, you will come to the end of your life realizing you have wasted it. And I'm going to tell you something. If you want your life to count, get saved and then serve the Lord Jesus Christ, who alone is worthy of worship and honor and adoration. Amen and amen. So how do you do that? Well, let's look at Mary's example and talk about it as time allows today. Mark chapter 14. Let's pick it up in verse 3. Mark chapter 14, verse 3. Here's what the Bible says. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper... As he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. Let me just stop quickly right here and point out a classic, quote, contradiction in your Bible. If you read this account in Matthew 26 and you read it in John chapter 12, this particular story, this narrative of Mary honoring the Lord with the box, the alabaster box of ointment. Uh, you'll find that one account says she poured it on his feet. Another, she poured it on his head. Somebody jumps up and says, oh, here's the proof that the Bible contradicts itself. No, here's the proof that you haven't thought things through and that you have a spirit of controversy with the Lord. Number one, if she poured it on his head, if there was enough ointment there, and certainly there was, it could have dripped down onto his feet. Or she could have poured part of the box on his head and then got down at his feet, poured the rest down there. After all, you read back there in the book of Psalms how that the precious ointment that poured down over Aaron uh, poured down over his beard and onto his garments all the way down to his feet. Uh, So listen, she anointed the Lord from the top of his head to the uh, bottom of his feet. 
And there is no contradiction here. You simply are getting two parts of the same narrative. So, amen, it's called, these are not contradictory accounts. These are called complementary accounts. In other words, I'm getting the whole story. Jesus Christ had some of this ointment on his head, and he also had it on his precious feet that were about to be nail-scarred for sinners and doubters like you and like me. And so here comes Mary into this room. She breaks the box of this very precious ointment of spikenard, and she pours it on his head. The Bible says in verse 4, And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it had been, if it had been sold for more than 300 pence, it could have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And we'll talk about this crowd later. Verse six, but Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. Notice that she's doing a good work. Her good work does not save her. She was already saved when she showed up in the room. Uh, her faith had saved her just like it is today. For by grace are you saved through faith, through faith. You're saved by God's grace through faith. But then you're saved so that you might walk in good works. Good works can't save you, but good works are a good evidence that you've been saved by the grace of God. And here this woman has performed and wrought, Jesus said, a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, Jesus says. So good luck on your war on poverty, Lyndon Baines Johnson, and the great society and this mess of a welfare system that our government has in place now. It's never going to take away the poor. Jesus said, the poor you have with you always. Look at it. Mark fourteen seven. Jesus speaking, for you have the poor with you always, and whensoever you will, you may do them good. But me, you have not always. She had done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she had done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. So Jesus Christ has this woman, Mary, memorialized three different places in the gospel accounts. As I've already mentioned, this story is recorded in Matthew 26. It was eternally preserved here in Mark 14, as well as John chapter 12, a memorial uh, to this good work that this woman, Mary, had done. How do you make your life matter? Well, as I stated at the outset of the broadcast, your life will be a waste if you go through this life, stumble over the gospel, and reject it. But if you'll embrace the gospel and be saved, now you're in a position to live your life to the glory of God Almighty. And to make your life matter, what you must do is submit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and allow Him to lead and guide your life in such a way that you would bring glory and honor to His name. And that's exactly what is going on here in Mark chapter 14. Let's take a little closer look at it. We have a memorial to this woman, Mary. So what was her practice? What did we find Mary doing? Uh, well, number one, her practice in verse 8 Jesus says this of Mary's practice, her Christianity, if you will. He says she had done what she could. And can I tell you something? That is a great motto to live by in the Christian life. Those of you that are listening to me today, if you're a Christian, you know what you're supposed to do? Your, your life is supposed to reflect the glory of God and the grace of God. Your life is supposed, supposed to bring glory to the one who gave you eternal life. People are supposed to look at Christians and say, wow, look what God has done with them. Wow, look how they serve the Lord Jesus. 
And our life is supposed to bring glory to his wonderful name. How do you do this? Well, many people think, well, I guess I've got to be a preacher if I'm going to bring glory to God. Oh, I wish I could be a missionary. No, listen, here's what you need to do. If you're saved, you need to do what you can. Jesus said she had done what she could. Do you realize you're not going to be judged someday at the judgment seat of Christ when you your life is reviewed as a Christian and God examines to see how you lived and what you did? Uh, for his glory and honor, you're not going to be judged based on what you couldn't do. You will be judged based upon what you could have done. And you know what you need to do? You need to get the mentality. You need to begin to practice to do what you can. You need to do what you can. You say, oh, I wish I could sing a special. Well, if you can sing, if you want to get up and bring glory and honor to God that way, wonderful. But you know what? Not every Christian can sing. Not every Christian has that ability or that gift. So don't worry about it. Do what you can. Everybody, every one of us that are saved have been gifted by the Spirit of God to do something. Do you realize the Bible speaks of the fact that we all have abilities? We all have something that God has given us the ability to do. God has given us abilities. He's given us gifts. You know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to do what you can. You say, well, I don't know what my gift is. Well, you know something? If you will just simply submit yourself to the word of God, if you'll start doing what you know to do, you know what Christians do? We pray. We read our Bible. Uh, we attempt to witness and point others to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. We try to, if we're parents, if we've been blessed with children, we're trying to raise those children for the glory of God, to love the Lord Jesus and to align their self with the word of God. Listen, what am I saying? I'm saying do what you can. And while you're doing what you can, you'll find out that God will use it. Let me give you a classic example. I've preached about him many times on this program. There's a man in Luke 23, just an old dying thief that had done nothing all his life except live a life of debauchery and sin. He was a thief and a murderer, and he's being put to death for his criminal activity. But in the last few hours of his life, he got the nerve and the courage to begin to consider his eternity, and he rebuked his buddy, and he confessed his own sinfulness and helplessness, and he confessed Jesus Christ for who he was right there publicly. Now, that doesn't seem like much, just an old dying thief that hollered out and said, Doth not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And he said, We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man, speaking of the Lord Jesus, hath done nothing amiss. And he looked at Jesus Christ and he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Now, you think to yourself, well, that's no big deal. But it was a huge deal. It took a great amount of faith and a great amount of courage for that dying thief to do and to say what he did that day. And you know what God did? God took that little bit of faithfulness and he used it to bring great results I've often preached about how that the dying thief, listen, that man has continued to rack up in heaven. You say, how? Because, because of his simple courage and faith that day, taking a public stand for Jesus Christ, how many thousands, hundreds of thousands of men have been led to a saving faith in Jesus Christ simply because of Luke chapter 23 and how God recorded faithfully 
preserved in the Bible, that man's faith, his public profession of faith. Now listen, that dying thief couldn't do much that day. He couldn't be baptized. He couldn't give to any kind of united way or any kind of a program for the poor. He couldn't give to missions. He couldn't join the church. He couldn't do anything. He was nailed to a cross. He was in the process of dying a slow, agonizing death. Yet he, had, he did what he could. What could he do? He confessed Jesus Christ publicly. And in doing so, God has brought about and broken that faithfulness and, listen, blessed many, many hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people down through the ages because of that faithful uh, dying thief. He had done what he could. That was Mary's practice. She had done what she could. Will you simply do what you can? Listen, not only did Mary do what she could, but she did it at the proper time. Timing is everything to God. Did you know that? Timing is everything. You say, well, what did she do? Well, Mary knew what was coming, obviously, because Jesus said she has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. In other words, Mary knew, uh, she knew that the Lord was about to die and she brought her offering and she anointed his body to the burying. Now, listen, if you turn over just a couple of chapters here in the book of Mark and you come to chapter 16, you know what you find out? The Bible says this, Mark chapter 16, verse one, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him, speaking of Jesus Christ. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen, he is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. Now, I'm not going to preach the glories of the resurrection right there, although we could, and maybe we should. The truth of the matter is, that man that was crucified uh, had risen from the dead, and the angel there in Mark 16 told the women so early that Sunday morning when they came to anoint his body. But listen, they were late. We appreciate those ladies, and I do not disparage them or mock them in this lesson. I'm glad Mary Magdalene and the rest of them who loved the Lord came to anoint his body. But my friend, they, were, they missed the opportunity. The opportunity had already come and gone. Uh, listen, they came late. There was no body to anoint. But I'm going to tell you who came in the proper time. Mary did. Mary came and anointed the Lord's body to the burying. She came almost six days ahead of the crucifixion. She came in time to get it done. Can I tell you something that teaches us something we need to learn in the Christian life? Our practice should be like Mary's. Do what you can. Be faithful to your church. Encourage your pastor. Write letters. Witness to people. Hand out tracts. Pray. Give, give offerings. Do what you can. Sing a song. If you can sing, wonderful. Do what you can. But listen, do it while you have the opportunity. You know what the problem is? We often put off and we say, well, you know something? I've heard people say this. When I retire, I'm going to do this. And I know, listen, those folks mean well. And sometimes I've watched people retire and go to serve the Lord and do a wonderful, wonderful work for the Lord because they have more time as the one 
uh, as the one sign says, retirement means twice the husband and half the money. And there's a lot to that. But the truth of the matter is many times people say that only to soothe their conscience today and put off doing today at the proper time what they ought to do. Mary chose the proper time. She came aforehand to anoint his body to the burying. She was able to do it when the opportunity was there. The other women meant well. They loved him too, but they were late. And can I tell you something? Don't put off doing for the Lord today what he's laid upon your heart to do. Opportunities are here and then they're gone. Don't regret your past you, with blown opportunities. Boy, there's nothing worse than coming to the end of life realizing that you have less time in front of you than you now have behind you and coming to realize that, wow, when I had my health, I didn't, I didn't serve. When I had money, I didn't serve and use it for the glory of God. Oh, listen to me. Don't blow your chances. Only one life it soon is past and only what's done for Christ will last. Do it now. As we therefore, quote, have opportunity let us do, do good unto all men, especially they of the household of faith, Galatians 6.10 tells us, as we have therefore opportunity. What opportunity is getting past you? You know something? Uh, many times we've known of people that have died suddenly. And boy, there's nothing that will eat your heart away as a Christian than to think of someone close to you, a friend, a co-worker, a family member, that you were unsure where they stood with the Lord and the Lord impressed upon your heart to write to them or to talk to them or to witness to them and you put it off and put it off and they die. Now listen, my friend, I'm here to tell you that I don't know how all that works and how the responsibility falls, but I can tell you this. We have a responsibility when the Lord tugs at our heart, when the Lord says, I want you to talk up for me, and tell this person of the glorious gospel. Friend, there's agony and there's regret in pushing off those opportunities. Don't wait. Had Mary waited here, she would have found herself empty-handed, having a great desire. We commend the ladies in Mark 16 who came early on the morning of the first day of the week to anoint the body of our Lord Jesus. But my friend, he was gone the opportunity to anoint his body had passed. Mary, her example is, number one, her practice was she had done what she could. She Number two, the other thing we learned from her is she came at the proper time. She didn't put it off. She did it now. Some of you need to get involved in missions. Some of you need to start uh, getting involved in your church activities. Some of you need to start writing letters or making phone calls to lost loved ones and neighbors and coworkers and friends and telling them what the Lord hath done for you. But my friend, don't put it off. You know what's amazing? Life is a mystery. The Bible says that our life, what is our life? It is a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Listen, the Bible warns us that this earthly life, this physical life that we're experiencing right now is at best temporal and it's uncertain. We don't know what's coming tomorrow. Amen. Things can change as you all have notated over the last few weeks and months of the great changes that have swept around our country and certainly around the world. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. And listen, I'm in my mid forties, 
but it just seems like yesterday that I was graduating high school. That's coming up on 30 years ago. Three decades have ticked off the clock since I graduated high school, almost. And listen, it just seems like yesterday that those days were here and in full bloom. I'm here to tell you, life speeds past And I'll guarantee you those that are in their 60s and 70s and 80s that are listening to this broadcast would stand up and amen what I'm telling you. Life, my friend, goes quickly. Take advantage of the opportunities to serve God now, not tomorrow. Tomorrow may never come. Do what you can do today. Mary came. She sets an example. She did what she could for the Lord when she had the chance And we thank God for that. Now, the third thing that we learned from Mary, not only that her practice was she had done what she could, not only that she came at the proper time now, behold, now is the time, not tomorrow, now. But number three, how did she know to do it now? Well, I'm going to tell you, we could turn back. We won't take a lot of time. But in Luke uh, chapter 10, what do we learn from that? Well, we learned over there, Jesus Christ commended Mary for something. Do you know how Mary knew to come at the proper time. She knew it because of the private time she had with the Lord. You remember what Luke 10 says? While they're in Luke 10, Martha comes in and she says, Lord, bid my sister that she would help me. We know what was going on. Martha was busy. She was troubled about much serving. And Jesus Christ rebuked Martha. I'm in Luke 10, verse 41. When Martha comes in and rebukes the Lord gently and tells him, Hey, send my sister, bid her therefore that she help me. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Now watch it. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. What was Mary doing? Well, Mary wasn't distracted and racing around from thing to thing. She wasn't uh, all tore up over dusting the house or uh, trimming the bushes or mowing the lawn. She wasn't worried about, oh, I've got to drop the kids off. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. How do I ever get time to read my Bible and do all that that preacher says I'm supposed to do? Well, the Bible says you're just going to have to do it if you want to be wise. Jesus said she hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. You know what the good part was? It was fellowship time at his feet. The Bible says that Martha had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus's feet and heard his word. You know what she did? She had private time, quiet time with the Lord every day. Christian friend that's listening, do you have a devotional life? Do you spend time in the word of God thinking on the word of God? Do you spend time in prayer? Oh, God have mercy on this generation of fast-paced, out-of-control, rat-race Christians. I'm going to tell you something. I'm preaching to the choir. I'm preaching to myself today. Do you know how easy it is to get caught up in the whirlwind of activity? I'm telling you, the Internet and all of this extra activity online and this Facebooking and texting and all of that, listen, I know there's a place for all that. Don't write to me and tell me how you use it and you post this on your Facebook. I get all of that. I'm just telling you, look at the overall, all the time-saving things that we supposedly have, and what do we not, what do we have the least of? We have no time, and people are trying to get more done, and the one thing that always suffers is our personal quiet time with the Lord. Nothing will calm the heart like time spent 
quietly in meditation in the Word of God and quietly at the feet of Jesus Christ in meditation and prayer. How did Mary know to come? Well, she had her priorities right. She spent time in prayer and meditation, and she knew when to bring that alabaster box to the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, I believe that Mary knew because of the quiet time she spent with the Lord, which Jesus said shall not be taken away from her. Because of Mary's private time, she didn't care what her sister said. Because of Mary's private time, she knew when to bring that offering. And my friend, if you want to get instructions from the Lord of what you need to be doing, you'll have to spend quiet time with him. Do you do that? Let me encourage you, spend time quietly meditating in that blessed old book and spend time fellowshipping with the Lord. Take a walk, get outside, get along with the Lord, go out in the evening, get up early in the morning, whatever you've got to do to have some private, quiet time with the Lord, do it. It'll pay it. It'll be worth its weight in gold, if you will. Now, lastly, let me point something out. If you're going to do this, you're going to serve the Lord and bring glory to his name, then notice what you're going to be up against. You're going to be up against some pressure and opposition because every time Mary shows up, there's always somebody to criticize. First, it was her sister, Martha, who criticized her, almost insinuating that she was lazy and that she needed to get up and come into the kitchen and help her serve. And the Lord said, leave her alone. She's doing what you ought to be doing. She has chosen the needful thing that shall not be taken away from her. And here the Lord comes to Mary's defense again, because according to John 12, it was Judas that started this uh, opposition to her complaining and murmuring about Mary's faithfulness and her worship of the Lord Jesus. Notice in verse four, the Bible says there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? Let me tell you something, friend. Time spent on the Lord, uh, with the Lord, money spent on the Lord and for the cause of God is never a waste. But the devil and his crowd and carnal Christians will take up the note. I remember many years ago when I made the decision to leave pursuing uh, an active part in in entertaining and playing music for a living and actually had come to the place where I was actually doing it. I remember that when I backed off of that and listened to the Lord and changed the direction of my life, that I had people that actually said, well, you know, God gave you that ability to play guitar for a reason. And uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with using that to make your living. And uh, in fact, one man said, I sure hope you don't waste your talent. Can I tell you something, friend? Uh, The greatest waste for Travis Alltop would have been had I continued to pursue my own course of action and my own dreams and uh, desires. The greatest thing that God ever brought to my mind some 18 or 19 years ago was only one life as soon as passed and only what's done for Christ will last. I have never regretted and never will regret turning my back on my own plans and my own pursuits and totally surrendering myself and submitting myself to whatever Jesus Christ's plan was for me. And can I tell you, there's no waste in that. The truth of the matter is, as I have mentioned on previous broadcasts, and I only say this for illustration's sake, I know what it is to stand on the stage of the Grand Old Opry and play for 5,000 people who are cheering and taking pictures. It's quite a, uh, quite a carnal rush. But can I tell you something? I've never... Uh, 
I've never wasted a day of guitar playing by simply standing up in front of a uh, chapel full of prisoners or standing up in front of a activity room full of senior saints at a nursing home and playing the old hymns of the faith and being a blessing. Can I tell you something? That grand old Opry stuff will amount to Zippo in eternity. But I'll tell you that the, quote, performance is for the glory of God and the ministry of the Lord that I've been uh, privileged to do in prisons and in nursing homes and in church meetings will yield much more results than anything I could have ever done for this old temporal self-loving world. And the truth of the matter is, Jesus Christ said, hey, leave this woman alone. She has wrought a good work on me. And my friend, here's what I want to close with. Nothing you do for the glory of Jesus Christ will ever be considered a waste. In fact, your life is a waste in every area where you don't submit yourself and serve to the glory of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, learn from Mary's example. And don't give in to the pressure of the world when they doubt your motives. Serve the Lord and honor him in all that you do. And one day you'll hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thank you, Mary, for the great example. May the Lord help us to apply it to ourselves. Until next week, may the Lord bless you as you serve him.